we're going to continue in this episode talking about how living overseas is so enriching. Enjoying another culture or other cultures. Yeah. I wanted to start with a story um, that just was one of, I don't know, it was within a year or two of us moving abroad. Some local friends and David and I decided that we wanted to go to the beach. And so we were planning a day at the beach, which is about an hour and a half away from where we live. And as when we got there, we, we you know, get out and, and we're thinking, oh, sandwiches and, you know, water bottles at the beach, you know, day at the beach. And so they pull out all of this amazing food, homemade, homemade food. And then they pull out this tiny little propane tank with an, uh, something, a little burner, a, a little burner affixed on the top and start the water to make the tea. And you know, it's a hundred degrees at the beach and we're making the tea. And I just, it just was such a fun experience to realize how integral drinking tea was to life, that, that a true relaxing day at the beach, you have to have your hot tea. And real food. And real food. I mean, sometimes there's chopping and mixing. And we went hiking with a family. And this, not hiking, we went camping. And it was a similar thing where there was like, whoa, we've got oils and pans. And we're going to be doing cooking, cooking. on top of these little propane tank yeah. burner things. And... It wasn't bologna sandwiches, no. No, it no. was not. And it it was just such an expression of the hospitality and enjoyment of food within their culture. Food. And I loved it. And tea. Centerpiece. Yeah. It, it's the whole idea that food isn't just an interruption. You know, just grab a sandwich. Here, throw me one. And let's go. And let's get on with Frisbee. It Even. Was, it was <laughs> sitting down. It was preparing it, <clears throat> sitting around the table, and we're all going to sit together and have this meal as if we're in a home. And it was basically saying, we're not, we're not doing the, get a bag of nuts, we'll be fine here. And that was amazing. It was, I, I even noticed, I mean, the drinking of tea and coffee and how people stop for tea breaks. I mean, I've, I would stop, I had a friend that that worked across town. She lived even farther and, and worked in a place that was about halfway between our houses um, at a bank. And sometimes I would be in that part of town and I would just stop in to say hello to her at the bank. And it was understood by everyone who worked at the bank that it was fine for her to take me into a special room and she would order tea for the two of us and we would sit there for about 10 minutes and drink tea and visit and this was just accepted absolutely completely she wasn't shirking her duties or anything well that's the whole street culture we talked about in the last one the idea of i go into this little hardware store and see the guy that i hadn't seen in a while he doesn't have a lot of customers and he just says you want to drink some tea and i'm like sure and he pulls a little stool he has it right there under his counter mm -hmm. and there we sit or well there's even uh tea stands that that every business can make a call to a local tea stand nearby and they'll bring them however many hot teas they want. So it's just built within the yes, culture. That's right. Hot tea culture, hot coffee 
culture. So that stopping and taking breaks and talking and Visiting, enjoying. Yeah, and catching up. I don't. I think we grew up where, I guess here, I mean, now we have coffee shops, but they're still, they're a little bit, you know, just hanging out and chatting. We've, you know, we're, there is some of that. But well, I think our culture is longing for that in the crazy pace of life that is here. You know, we talked about learning a foreign language and the value of it, and you get that a new, I guess, person that you're becoming, uh, that you interact with. I, I remember my, one of my, my brothers learned another language, and he actually had a different personality when he was speaking that language than when he was speaking English, and I thought it was interesting how a language can do that. Um, I think part of that language is as you began to read the Bible in another language, it's it's almost like having an amplified Bible. It ha, it's a commentary because you're you're getting to see your these words are coming alive. The you're, the nuances of language and meaning in a verse just they 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 well, hit you in a word. different way. Yeah. We're used to so many of so much scripture. We're used to the wording, but when it's in another language, Absolutely it's like you're different. you're seeing it. Um, in a new way. And then to sit there, I think one of the most enjoyable things was to read a, a verse or two or a passage and then to ask them, what is this about? What's the main point here? And then just to listen and go, wow, they're coming at this from a different perspective. And the language that that is in their translation and the way their worldview is working through all of what they grew up with. This is what they're coming away with as the main point, how different that was or the, the story. And I, I remember just being able to focus on one or two points and just stories and examples and just revolving around that as opposed to let's get through this entire passage. And there are six points. It was more... Or more, instead of the outline approach, right? which is, here's the point, and then one, two, three, four, here's the second point, one, two, three, four. And the four, conclusion. And, and the, the conclusion, yeah. Right. It's it's arranged differently. It's more, here's the point, let's talk all around this, which is kind of what we've been doing in last podcast and this podcast a little bit more. So. I remember that time that you were writing um, with a group of local friends, believing friends, you were writing a study on the book of John. Mm -hmm. And so they would read a passage and then what is this saying to you? What do you think the point is? And that was fascinating. Oh, watching this, having them write it life or this miracle or this story. What is, what comes out? What's the key point here? And you're just like, wow. Well, or we would say what we were trying to do was write a set of questions. Right. And so we say, what would you, what question would you ask about this story um, to help someone understand the main point? And that was fascinating. I think the longer we stayed there, the more we realized we're using this language. Um, we're interacting with this culture, but we we are not this culture. We are. It's impossible for me to know and see things the way they see them. And that is why... But we learn in it and grow in it, which is why we need to be there. But it's so important to take anything, 
any of your ideas of what the way you're going to do things or ministry or strategies or methods. And it's so important to run them through the filter of the people there. There was also, as far as enjoying another culture, enjoying the place where you live, enjoying going to the beach and drinking tea, enjoying... What they're uh, enjoying. Walking around the neighborhood at night, going to the park, and then buying corn on the cob that's for sale there, and meeting and sitting and eating sunflower seeds for hours while you talk, or going for a picnic. Remember in the summer, it was so hot, and I remember you could, one time we went down by the bay, there's a huge park, and we went down there. At oh, it was like 11.30 or midnight. <laughs> and almost, it looked felt like the entire part of the city was down there at the park because that's when the weather was getting cooler. And so all these kids are playing on monkey bars. Oh, you got three-year-olds out at midnight and they're having so much fun. And just joining into that wow. was so fun. When we first thought, oh, it's so hot, we should get sit in our air conditioner and then... Um, we just were missing out on what are they doing? Like when you said enjoying their culture, what what do they do? What do they do along the waterfront? What do they do on a Saturday? And you start finding out what is this hiking they're doing? Where are they going back here behind our neighborhood? And what's going on over there? And and what how fun that was to to learn from them. I think living, I think um, building cross cultural friendships was also an, an invaluable thing that um, obviously, like I was saying, it's a way in which you partner with the work you're doing. I think if you build a strategy or build your approach to what you're going to do in that country, I don't care if it's ministry, I don't care if it's business, but if you do it without that local perspective, without them feeling free to input and give you what, how they do it, Well, you're going to have to change the way you do things. Yeah. I remember saying, so here's what we want to do. How would you do it? And to wait and to wait long enough for them to really share with you. Often they would say, well, you're the experts. Y'all know you've come from your country. You must know how to do these things. You study these things. And you would say, no, 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 no. You know your people. And so I would tell the guy he wants to start a business. I said, well, you can't start a business. You've only been here nine months or a year. You don't know how to do business here. You don't know how to do business here. You don't know the market. How do you know what they really need? Oh, but I have this product or I have this. And and often we come in with that, we're going to do things and we're going to conquer things. And Well, I think it's the American idea of individualism and plan, you know, the goals and all of those things. Or it worked somewhere else. It's a method that's been working, but you don't know this culture. And so... Well, just personally, the the I was thinking of your that one friend of yours that is such a close friend, and you still call him on the phone, talk to him, and the the value of knowing him and talking with him and being known by him and him being known by you, and that brotherly love that is built across the. Their Across language. Across cultures. Yeah. And it and it's my other self friendship. It really is. And but I think building those partnerships are so key. Um what about Vicky, the whole idea of 
raising a family. Oh, I, you know, rearing children in a multicultural, multi-generational family oriented environment. I don't even know if you could call it multicultural. You think it well, was? it's multicultural only, only because we had one culture yes. and they had another. So the exactly. two cultures, the different culture. cultures. Yeah. Although we did have um, other friends from other countries who were also living there, so that aspect of the right. multiculturalism. And you do have subcultures. Friends from Brazil, friends from Germany, friends from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, other places. But I don't know the the place where we lived the culture, the entire family would interact. It wasn't, the the kids didn't necessarily go play somewhere. They might, but a lot of times everyone would stay. It was a family event um, when someone came to our house or when we went to their house. And our kids learned a lot about talking to adults, engaging with adults. And kids were not seen as a bother yeah, we'd go over and visit and ring the doorbell and the parents are standing there with the children and they're all hugging us and then we're sitting down and we're, you're, you're thinking, okay, go play a video game. And you know, no. And the, and the child is bringing the tea or maybe bringing the cake and asking questions and wanting to sit with you. And I thought, this is different. And our kids basically learn the same thing. And I think what it was was the event is people are coming over. Yes. Friends are coming. Yes, friends are coming over. So, well, and it also is a practical consideration because in the wintertime, in the place where we lived, there was only one room that was heated. So we were all in that room. Yeah, and if there's a kid that wants to play a puzzle or color, the little ones who didn't want to interact in our conversation, they were right there on the floor coloring with us. And Uh, one of the things, advantages... Um, of this and joys of this for me as a mom was watching my kids have other adults in their life, the aunties and uncles that were engaging with them and that loved them. Yep. And the other kids that I was able to love, it was amazing. I think that was that, like you said, the family and people oriented. Yeah. And the other thing was kids weren't, um, Kids weren't divided into age groups very often, except for their class at school. They Kids played together across a broader range of ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you would have, and they had a responsibility, I think, within the culture. There was sort of the big brother, big sister idea, so that when my kids were young, they had these girls that were their big sisters, friends that would kind of look out for them and if they stepped out of line in a certain way would say hey don't do that and then when they became 13 14 they were the big sisters to the nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds and there was this really lovely interaction between kids of different ages it seemed like when you get to teenage you know it's almost they don't want to be with their parents or their little brothers or sisters or other adults that are visiting and that's here. here in this culture. And, and I would say that was the opposite there, that opposite. the teenagers wanted to be with the adults all the time. And they were there. It's, you're here visiting in my house. It, there's my responsibility too. What can I do? Yes. Can I go get 
some more tea. Hey, get some more tea for them. And so we, we enjoyed that and our kids enjoyed that. Um, I think, I, yeah, is there something else? Go ahead. No. no, I thought, uh, learning more about yourself. Um, I felt, I felt like the first two or three years, people say, what did you learn about that culture there? I learned probably more about myself and our culture, uh, why we do what we do. Um, by watching other people, you're like, what? This is so, here, I thought this was the only one way of doing it. We, we use the word ethnocentric, and that means basically viewing everything through the filter of your culture as the way things are done. And one of the reasons why we strongly encourage everyone to interact with other cultures and immerse yourself in another culture, even if it's across town, but ideally to go overseas, is to be able to see that you are just one way of doing things or your family or you're part of the U.S. And I think by seeing more about ourselves, we learn to hold that more lightly and say, that's just the way we do it. And so many things about meals, friendship, uh, you know, how we do repairs at the house, how you build a house, how streets are designed. All of that was, oh, that's the way we do it. And it just gave you more of a respect for another culture as opposed to wanting to judge it a res respect yeah as opposed to oh they're yeah. doing it wrong or they th no it's a culture and it's and you have a culture i think one of the things that i learned was how productivity oriented yeah efficiency my efficiency oriented my culture was and how people can often get lost in the productivity and efficiency model. So I had to learn that that was so deeply ingrained in me and to, to learn to let that go. I mean, to how much you can get accomplished in a day can be very different in another culture. So if you, in this, in American culture, you can plan meetings back to back and, and meet with the all the, and, oh, get all this stuff, <laughs> get done. All this stuff done. I and mean, we very quickly learned that there is one event in the day you're going to see your friend. And, yeah. you know, you get off work, you go to see your friend. Because you may have to go through public transportation and that private transportation might break down. And, yeah, and on Saturday, you just plan to visit one friend. Yeah. That's it. You don't know how long it's going to take you to get there. What's going to happen when you get there? How, I, you know, it's just. I remember something would break in my house and I would I'd say, oh, you're going to have to go to that part of town that sells those things. And, and I knew I just had to go get on a boat or get on a bus and didn't find it. Got to keep searching. Sometimes I could spend a week trying to find where something was. And that seemed so inefficient and yet there was a lot of tea drunk during all those times and there was a lot of visits and there was being able to slow it down a little bit and well you we take learned, a friend along with you to go across town to get the part and then you hang out with them on the bus and or on the ferry boat or wherever and we learned that yes we might be able to we might think we're getting more done with our computerized efficient world here but i I, we can honestly say we enjoyed the pace of where there was more take the time, have some tea. And you're thinking, have some tea. I'm here to get a can of paint. <laughs> okay. What I need to get this paint and go finish my project. 
but I learned to slow down and drink that tea, and I guess my life was better because of it, and I, I, I greatly appreciated that. Yeah, I think... Um... I think one, one of the things we, we used to always say is we feel like we've become more of a global citizen and not just a monocultural person. I guess, I guess you, yeah, it's almost like if you're monocultural, you only know yours and you view the world, everyone around you, that is different as not good, as not the right way. And so the more we can interact with other cultures, the more we can learn from other perspectives, I think the more, the richer we become and the more tolerant we become and the better citizen and the stronger, um, yeah, I, I think that's the danger of getting in your own world. And so we... Yeah, I mean, even the idea of the individualism that is so strong and ingrained in our culture versus more of a community-based culture, I mean, that really I started understanding um, how individualistically I view the world and that most of the world is community-based. Right. And the needs of the community take priority over the needs of the few. And in history, I think that most cultures, the needs of the community are higher than the needs of the individual. And the longer we were there, we would read, you know, continue to read their news, hear their perspectives of their country, their surrounding countries. Then I would learn about what my own country and hear their perspective. Um, and it was so interesting to get their outside perspective from different eyes. Um, obviously, it was helpful to have those that I called insiders that would tell us about their culture. We would get to ask them, hey, why do people do this and why are they doing that? It was so helpful to have what I called an insider. But just seeing that, I guess it made us... Well, you know, I mean, politically, just watching um, American politics as, as far as their foreign um, policy and how the foreign policy is viewed in America, one event, and how that same event is viewed yeah. in another place. Because what's valuable to them and what they need is a culture. Of course, American government's going to think of what's best for American citizens. At least we hope so. And another culture will think of what's best for their citizens. Or the way a world event or a catastrophe or something happening, how it affects them and how it affects. And so here we were hearing these things and it made us just hold our view a little lighter and just said, okay, wait a minute. There's, I wonder how they're experiencing it. Maybe a little less quick to defend certain decisions and or... I yeah, and there was, I, I love policies. My, I love my passport. I love where I was from. I love being, you know, I love my country, America. But it also made me just less attached. It made me a little bit more of a global citizen where I'm sitting here watching the Olympics and um, it's not just as simple as let's get all the gold. I would see other countries and I would go, oh, it's so good. I'm so glad. Or, because you've lived in a country where when they got one gold medal, the entire, yeah. or they even got in the World Cup, the entire country break. went crazy. Yeah, exactly. And we're so proud. Uh, so it does change your perspective. I liked that. And I liked, 
And now that when we look at the news and we see world events, it's not just looking at it from how's that going to affect me, us, and my country. And I think, I think we as Christians need to be that way. I mean, another way, if everyone obviously is not going to be able to live abroad, but there are in most places in the U.S. ways to engage with other cultures, whether it's international students, refugees, immigrant communities. There are ways um, to engage and to see beyond yourself. Oh, we love to hear stories of people who just went across the street, you know, found out a way to meet their neighbor, uh, decided to go two cubicles down and just said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm down here. I work in this area. I've noticed you. I was just curious where you're from and could we have lunch? And, and then the next thing you know, you meet that family and you get invited over for their food. And suddenly you're having some of what we've talked about, the hot tea, the coffee. The... And when you meet their family, you're going to meet the parents and the aunts and the cousins. You're going to meet everybody. And then you're going to start meeting their friends. And then when you hear about what's happening in the news or what's happening, what you thought was a real clear-cut law or perspective, political issue, stance, you might see it differently. You might be a little less intense about it because you know someone and you're like, gee, what's their experience? And um, I think that's it. That's the key right there is some people say, I'm not going to live overseas. I haven't lived overseas. I don't know if I'm going to be able to live in another culture. But I think continually meeting other people from other cultures, people different from you. I often and approaching say, the different as a learner. Yes. The other. You know, whoever that is, the one that is different. Um, sometimes you see people on TV talking about a certain group, whether it's a minority group, uh, refugees or immigrants, and you can say, I can tell they don't know anyone from that background, from that experience. I can tell they don't have a friend from there. I can just see it in their, I hear it in their tone. Well, it is easy to vilify people who are different. Yeah. And you don't when know you when don't you, know them. You don't know them. And so that's why what we've been talking about is we not only had a chance to know them, we had a chance to live in their culture. And we're, I guess, quite messed up, quite... Um, I wouldn't say messed up. I would say we're richer. Yes. We are different. We are changed. We are... Changed. We are more rich in our experience for having known our friends. Socially, in our faith. And in just being global citizens, it's been great. Well, it's been fun. Thanks for talking today to hang with us, Vicki. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.